Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Pursuit. I'm your host, Ben Spangle. And today we're going to be talking leadership. Leadership is one of those conversations that is more needed than ever before. I've got an expert with me today, Walt Carter. Walt is a change leadership expert specifically. So we're going to dive into that stuff and I, uh, as I learned a little bit about uh, Walt, he's got uh, his book. He's the author of We Can't Stay Here, which is all change leadership lessons. He's got an upcoming book, which we may talk a little bit about later today, too. And, you know, I think one of the things that's unique is he's really spent the last 36 plus years running his own private leadership lab and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. So I'm excited for that conversation. Walt, thanks for being here today. Uh, my pleasure, Ben. Happy to join you. Yeah. So why don't we begin? Um, I mean, leadership's a big topic. There's a lot of ways we can take it. Maybe give us the brief version of your journey into this world. Uh, yeah. So I, I, it's uh, it's not an unusual one, I don't think, in, in the sense that I grew up as a military brat. My dad was a career uh, enlisted guy in the uh, U.S. Air Force. Uh, so I moved you know, every two or three years, we were going to a new duty station with dad. And, you know, ultimately, uh, when I graduated from college with my physics degree, I went into the Air Force because I, I, you know, truthfully, that's what everybody in our family did back then. We all went into the military. Okay. Uh, my, my grandfather was in the uh, the Army Air Corps, for instance, before uh, my dad joined the Air Force when he was 18. You know, I joined when I got my degree. Uh, and 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 I went into what is a pretty well-developed, well-established leadership system, right? You know, so sure. as, a, as a leader in the military and, and truly at every level, right, Re- regardless of whether you're the general at the top of the food chain or you're the private or the airman down at the bottom, we teach leadership in the military at every level, right? right. And, uh, and so I, and then, you know, I went through some really great jobs in the Air Force, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I jokingly do tell people I'm a, I'm a card carrying rocket scientist that's actually worked on rockets. Very uh, cool. <laughs> rockets could wipe out cities. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, so I, I spent a lot of time thinking about global thermonuclear warfare. Uh, I flew on Looking Glass, which is an airborne command and control plane uh, for three years running logistics for the battle staff to manage World War III with the president and National Command Authority. Uh, mm. You know, kind of a kind of an interesting job. For and sure. I went up to, to uh, Canadian NORAD headquarters for, uh, you know, about a year to help the Canadians understand how to, to you know, use North American uh, fighter packages from our Guard Reserve bases under the NORAD tree. So we would go all across the, the top of Canada and Alaska to uh, to see the forward operating locations and bases up there, and and you know back then we were running the the Soviet bear bombers out of our airspace uh, to keep them from coming over the top of the poles to attack us. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of that year, though, we were inviting those Soviets to land those bear bombers at our bases, and we would exchange uniform items, and you know, and effectively the Cold War was over. Right? They would buy Labatt's blue beer at the Canadian exchange and some fur coats and, you know, we'd send them back on their way. Um, You know, so, so I got out in 92 and I went into corporate America, right. You know, and I'm kind of a technical guy. So I went into the technical route and I became, uh, you know, a CIO 
uh, chief information officer. And, and today I'm a chief digital officer slash CIO, mm -hmm. uh, which means I have marketing. Uh, so I, I've been a, a chief marketing officer at two other companies uh, and, you know, and CIO. And today I'm a chief digital officer and CIO. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, I kind of come at the world from a techie's uh, perspective. But along the way, I noticed two things that were really important. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of those was there's no leadership system outside of the military, anything like what I had in the military, nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I was working with some really big companies uh, back in, in the early days, uh, you know, so Fidelity, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Delta Airlines, Northwest Airlines. I mean, big, big companies. For sure. uh, and I'm looking, where's the where's the leadership system? How does a leader in this system know what they're accountable for? How do they know what they're going to be measured on? Um, the other thing that I found out, and this is more back to, you know, the technical part of my 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 learning is that the projects projects are hard. Creating value with people is hard. The technology is not hard. Mm -hmm. If you give me enough time and money, I'll figure out how to solve the technology problem. There are very mm -hmm. few problems that are unsurmountable, insurmountable technology problems. It's usually the problem of the politics in the organization, getting the agendas lined up, getting people to want to do the change or move to the new system or whatever, uh, right? So the people side is a lot more complex than the technology side. And, uh, yeah. you know, and now, now here I am, you know, it, I've just spent 40 years uh, since I first started writing code in college. And I'm going, yeah, and, and the coding is not the problem. It's really the people. How do I get the people? And this ties all back to, you know, the first book and the second book, which is, you know, leadership. It's uh, getting change done in an organization, creating value in an organization. It's all about leading. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and yet, I also would tell you it's all about following. And that's what the second book's about. It's about following. It's not necessarily about being the top dog in the food chain. It's being somebody that's been assigned a job to lead some change or create some new value for the organization. Mm -hmm. How do you do it? And how do you do it without that, that grand poobah title that mm -hmm. lets you just direct everybody? And, and one of the other things I'll just tell you that's most interesting to me, I, I tell people all the time, you can't force a human being to do anything. Mm -hmm. I'm in the position, but as soon as you go to force, you're going to meet resistance because that's how humans work. Humans sure. are wired to resist. So yep. if you try to manipulate or extort or coerce or any kind of force move that you're going to bring, they fight you. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because in, you know, in, in leadership, uh, whether it's a corporate setting or you're running your own company as uh, many of the listeners are too, ultimately in order to move the needle, I mean, we need people at all levels raising up in their leadership. And I think what you're talking about too is how how do you get organizations, how do you build that culture that people are leading at every level, whether they've got, you know, the top title, whether they're the boss, whether they're the owner, whether whatever, how do we get them to lead? And nobody, nobody wants to be forced anything. Uh, so it's an interesting thing in leading. I know in my own business, I mean, we, uh, all, all of our teammates are contractors, so nobody's an employee. So we always mm -hmm. talk about leading a volunteer army. I mean, no one has to be there, but I guess that's true in the corporate world too. They could go get a different job. Right. Well, so it's, even, it's even true in the military. I mean, one of the first, uh, you know, big teaching steps in, in the officer training uh, program that I went through was, you know, if, if you have to go to your shoulder and point to your rank to get what you want done, 
you've already lost the argument, right? Mm. If, if your only ability to get things done is to give orders and direct, right? right you, you're not going to win the hearts and minds of your troops. That's just not going to happen, right? right. And they, they may have to agree with you and salute and move off, but they're going to find all kinds of reasons why your way can't be the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're going to start looking for excuses almost immediately. So if you go to rank as your as your mechanism for getting things done, yeah. you lose almost every time. And and that's again, it's built into our training. We all know that. Yeah. Uh, as we're going through that leadership program, who told you that on the outside, right? Who's right. who shared that information with you, Ben, in in your career? And and having worked with a lot of nonprofits over the years. Uh, and a lot of uh, volunteer organizations, as a matter of fact, one here in Atlanta called Points of Light that I did some work with years ago, the mm-hmm. world's largest volunteer organization headquartered here in Atlanta. Wow. Corralling up your, your cats and, you know, and hurting your cats can be very difficult. You've got to find that connection to really, I call it the spirit and heart mm-hmm. uh, of that individual contributor in order to get them to want to participate and bring their A game and not just phone it in, right? Um, Let's expand on that right there. So you want to get to their spirit in their heart. How do you start to do that? Because I think anyone listening say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if they're if they're deeply engaged, then of course, more meaningful work is going to happen, better end result for the customer, the clients, everything. So how do you start to reach people's spirit and heart in leadership? So it's a it's a really really hard thing. I, I'm I'm going to tell you that it's really really hard, and it's and it's particularly hard for the the folks like our audience that are leaders in their businesses uh, that that are in charge. Uh, you know, the, because it, it it's not efficient, and I, I'll tell you what it is real quick. Right, you have to go out and and ask mm. and listen. Mm. Uh, and if you listen first and ask, hey, look, I've got some ideas about some things that are not quite where we need them to be. We need to move some things around, make some changes. But I don't want to just tell you what we're going to do. I want to hear from you. Do you agree that this is not as good as it could be yet and that there might be some ways we could improve this situation? What do you think, right? Mm -hmm. And if you just stop right there and listen and then, you know, talk back to them to make sure that you're understanding what they're saying, not just leading with, okay, here's what I want to have happen and here's how I want it to happen and here's when I need it to happen by, right? right. You have to actually spend the time with the people that are going to be affected by the change to listen to them. Now, you don't actually have to do what they suggest. You have right. to work toward a solution with all of those different participants, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 it's more important that they have a voice than it is that you have agreement with them necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because again, as a leader, as our audience is as mostly leaders here in the organization, you know things and see things from your level that maybe the guys at the bottom of the food chain can't see, don't mm-hmm. know about. It's not in their normal purview, right? They're they're not focused on the stuff happening outside the business market conditions, uh, you know, what the Fed's doing with the money. They don't care about that so much. They care about what's going on in their job. Mm. So to part of this conversation that you have to have, in, in my humble but totally accurate opinion, is you have to move into that conversation, that dialogue. And it's got to be both ways. They got to know that you heard them and that you understood what they said. And then you can start to move together to craft the solution, right? And it may be something that you came to the table with, 
but you've heard this over and over again. It has to be their idea. Yeah. It can't yeah. be your idea. It's got to be our idea. Yeah. Right. And, well, and I, if we all collaborated on it together, even when the top guy finally does says, okay, well then I think that makes the most sense. Let's do it this way. Here's yeah. when we need to have it done. And you know, who's got the lead on this? Who's going to, who's going to lead this thing. And if it's a volunteer. Yeah. Hey, Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you, then you got to go into the, the higher gear, which is now got to train, equip and lead and 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 be ready yeah. to get out of the way yeah. and jump in when I need to. Right. And, uh, you know, so, again, leadership is an active word. It's not it's not a passive word. It's a it's yeah. a very active word. And I, I think I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that uh, what you're teaching, too, is the idea of, you know, making it collaborative in a way that, uh, you know, people are involved in those decisions and feeling heard and everything. Selling's not really any different. I think some of the most effective selling, I work in a sales business, right? Some of the most effective selling is where it's not you telling the prospect, this is what they need, but instead it's listening, asking, and then coming together. So it's interesting, the parallels. And uh, in a lot of ways, I mean, sales is leadership, right? It's leading people to a decision, right? So I, well, I think it that's- is. It yeah. is a- the guys and the gals that do it the best really are collaborative, right? They are, yes. they are not just a solution looking for a place to park. Yep. They're, they're looking for a place where their solution can really deliver value. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, um, yep. and so I think the, the, the guys and gals out there in sales that are truly the, the best salespeople are actually the best collaborators. They're the best listeners. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. And, uh, and, and, and listener skills, should be much more highly valued than communication skills. And, you know, we think communication is a one-way thing, but it's really not. If they didn't understand what you said and how you, how you, how you said it, your heart's intent, right. Mm -hmm. Then then you, you miscommunicated, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right. You didn't communicate and you may be transmitting perfectly, but if their receiver's not on your, on your frequency, uh, you missed it. Right. What, yeah. One of the other things I'd share, you know, a good friend of mine, a guy named Alan Schaefer, has a company called Banding People Together. Okay. Alan is a, uh, a former rock star uh, that, you know, had a recording deal with his band and uh, and then realized, you know, they weren't going to go to the next level. Right. So he said, but I, I, I got this music thing and I want to teach, uh, you know, and I want to. I want to do my thing, but he came up with a, a notion of of training teams on collaboration using the the model of a band going into a recording studio to mm-hmm. make an album mm-hmm. and uh you know and everybody in the band's got different skills and and you know different instruments and you know the singers don't necessarily play the instruments the drummers doing his own thing the bass players doing his own thing lead guitar whatever right you know and he says but you got to agree up front on, you know, hey, look, you know, it, recording time is expensive, guys. We can't be in there dawdling. Right, we got to right. get in, make the right. best album we can, get out without spending a fortune here so we can actually make money from this thing. Mm. So here's how we're going to do it, right? So every member of the team's got a voice. We're all going to contribute in our album. And and then you start thinking about, well, you know, but what if you're the Beatles, right? And John and Paul write all the songs, you know, and Ringo and George don't really, they don't write the songs, but mm. they're on all the songs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, how, yeah. how do you participate when there's a <clears throat> different level of contribution from the, the people that are still key 
to the band, right? And right. you know, and and this is ultimately the leader's challenge, I think, is how do we know how to measure value of contribution from the different people on our teams, mm. right? And, and and I think that's this is one of the great uh, untapped mysteries of our time. We still don't do that very well across the board, in my opinion. We yeah. we don't know how to value contribution correctly. Yeah. Uh, and the models that we have are stuck in the past, right? So we still pay people by the hour or even your contract resources, right? They're probably being paid by the hour uh, or some some flat fee that's relatively easy to map to an hourly rate. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, and so, but from the neck up, we shouldn't be doing that. It should be about the value of the contribution to the project. Mm. In, in my my opinion but you know that's a completely different conversation yeah uh, I don't have any really good solutions to that one yet because I, I just don't see any good models yet yeah yeah my, my business specifically they're commissioned so it's a little bit different than that but I understand where you're coming from with that and you know I think one of the things I I'm curious your perspective on why do you think more people at any level why do you think more people don't step into leadership where they really do start leading at a higher level. So, you know, most most of the time in our organizations, what we wind up doing is promoting somebody into leadership that's really good at the task that they're mm-hmm. going to be leading the group of. And, uh, you know, and, and we, we've even got, you know, some of that figured out in the military because we, we figured out a long time ago that, you know, a guy that's really gifted at ordnance disposal, right? A bomb diffuser. Sure. May not make the best leader of the bomb diffuser squad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, he's really, really good under pressure, really, really great at, at bomb diffusing. And by the way, doesn't want to be the leader. So if you if you promote him into that position because he's got the most seniority, he's got the most experience. You know, and he doesn't want the job. You probably just wrecked your whole bomb disposal group, right? Uh, yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. So in the military, we created a specialist track, and we said, you know what? You can go all the way to the top in the rank structure by just being the best bomb disposal guy of all times. Right? Oh, interesting. Go yeah. right up the the rank as a bomb disposal guy. You don't have to go on the leadership track. We're going to yeah. keep you on the specialist track. But the recognition and, is there as progressing. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 yet, if you want to jump off the specialist track and over here to the leadership track, that's always an opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. And and again, in the military, you're going to get leadership training, whether you want it or not, all the way through your career. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, and, and, and again, that's why you you have stories like uh, Alvin York from from World War One, or or Audie Murphy from World War Two, or, or or Joe Hopper from from Vietnam, right? These guys won the Medal of Honor. They they were incredible. They they also knew what the the commander's intent was. They knew what the game plan was, and they were able to make adjustments in the field when all of the leadership above them went away. They were able to take action and get the job done. Hence their medals and decorations and what whatnot. I mean, Audie Murphy is the most decorated soldier in World War II, and he was a private when he first got in, you know, the the, the notoriety. But he was the ranking guy. Hmm. Everybody else above him was was out of the picture, so he had to take over, and he knew what to do, and he knew how to do it. Hmm. Uh, you know, so so again, 
if you want leaders at every level, you got to prepare for that. Right. That can't be an accident. Yeah. And and then don't force the guys who are not interested in leadership to be the leader. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. give them that other track. But for the ones that are on it, then I think you've got to create some kind of a leadership system that lets them know what does a leader do here? How do you get measured as a leader? What does success look like? Right. Mm. Uh, and is it really about you or is it about your team that you're leading? Mm. Uh, if you think it's about you, you're probably mistaken and you probably shouldn't be the person that we put in charge. Right. If you think it's about the team and, and you're the coach and the head cheerleader for that team, you'll probably do great. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, you used to talked about that last point, the coaching and the head cheerleading, a thought just popped into my mind that often people that are perhaps in a leadership role that really aren't the most effective leaders where they're overly critical of their people and, you know, demanding and forcing and all of those things. Do you think that, uh, this is a thought that came to mind, that's how they treat themselves. So the byproduct is that's how they're treating the people underneath them, if you will. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, it's, it, it could be. It could also be that, you know, they grew up in, in, in a household where that was the the, the family leadership style. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I saw something uh, last week, actually, Ben, that uh, somebody had shared with me that said, you know, we spend the first 18 years or so of our lives in a in a system that's sharing values and, and protocols and, you know, methodologies. And we think, you know, okay, well, this is how my family does it. So everybody else probably right. does it that way too. Then right. you get out and you're like, wait, not everybody does it this way, right? Not, yeah. not everybody has different rules. Yep. Who knew, right? And then yep. you spend the next 18 to 20 years of your life trying to figure out what the right rules for you ought to be. You're right. Right. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a really great point. What do you, what do, you do if um, you're listening, irrelevant to what kind of business you're in, but you're saying, I want to level up as a leader. I want to become more effective. And I know we, you know, we don't have time to give them a whole book's worth of that, but maybe two or three key points that you would tell them, listen, if, if you're personally wanting to improve as a leader, here's some areas I would work on. So I think the, uh, the one, the, a great book on this is called the leadership challenge by Kuzas and Posner. Uh, I'd go get that book right away. I'd, I keep copies of it and, and hand it out. Okay. Uh, you know, and then for the other leaders that have been mistakenly put in those leadership, I have a different book that I hand out all the time called the No Asshole Rule. Okay. Jeffrey uh, <laughs> Pepper. And uh, it's a great book. Uh, and, and you know, again, you know, it, you just got to be careful because those those people that are that are using force, using that that, you know, that harsh, critical style they're not going to get the results for you or your organization that, that, you know, you're looking for you, yeah. you, your peak of creativity and imagination and flow uh, comes in environments that are safe, right? right? So people feel safe and protected and appreciated. They give you their best, right? When, when mm. they feel like they're under threat, they give you their, their weakest. This is where this notion of quiet quitting comes from or, mm. you know, the disengaged checked out employees, by the way, you know, as we talked about before the show, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing record levels of disengagement of employees, according to a recent Gallup poll, uh, it's, it's 25% of employees are engaged. The other 75% are checked out. Wow. What's, what is going on? Right. Wow. And, uh, and, and what that tells me is there's ineffective leadership. Yeah. 
for those 75%. They're not being engaged. They don't feel safe. They're not bringing their A game and chomping at the bit to give you their their peak of, of creativity and power. They, they are just trying to survive. Collecting a paycheck. Yeah. 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 And I, I, that's, a, that's a scary stat. You know, I think if you're a leader in any organization, you're running a company and to think that 75%, 75% of your people are disengaged, just showing up. What does that end up costing an organization? I mean, well, you know, so you think, you think about, you know, why did I hire these people in the first place? Uh, yeah. Right. With yours, it's really kind of cool, right? You know, if you're just saying, well, look, you're commission only. If you, if you score, you win and you mm-hmm. eat what you kill. Mm-hmm. Yay. Right. You know, we mm-hmm. both win when you score. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. right. You know, and I don't pay you anything unless you score. Yay. Mm-hmm. This is a great model. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, uh, un- unfortunately, a lot of people that are that are in jobs are going, no, no, no. I, I can't just eat what I kill. I got to have a regular paycheck coming in. Yeah. Got to have those benefits. Yeah. Right. You know? yeah. And, uh, you know, and so and you're not you're not holding me accountable to that commission type of plan where you know it's really easy for you to see me creating value for you. Mm-hmm. You've got you know a job description and a role for me that doesn't involve that kind of scorekeeping. It's got to involve some other kind of scorekeeping, but we're not real clear on that. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this is part of that that contribution value challenge I was talking about early on. But but now think about 75 or three quarters of your employees mm-hmm. are not really giving you their A game. They're just giving you a B or a C level game. Some yeah. of them are not even giving you that much. What what does that equate to in terms of your ability as a company leader to get the max value out of the investment in those employees? Yeah, uh, it, it means you're not getting it right. And, and yep. yet you don't have to fire everybody and start over. You just got to lead differently. Yeah. And, and it's really easy, I think, to go and make that change. It's almost like the, the the story of Scrooge, right? You know, all of a sudden you have the epiphany from the, the ghost of Christmas past, present, mm-hmm. future. Now you can go out and be happy and talk to your people. The more you sit down and talk to your people, the better you're going to create that safe environment for them that mm-hmm. lets them, oh, yeah, you know, actually, I do want to give Ben my best. I do want to give Walt my best. Uh, you know, he's talking to me. He's like a real guy. He loves yeah. me, right? He yeah. cares for me, right? Yeah. And I think that's that's why this is so frustrating in some ways because leadership is really not that hard. But it's a, on the other side, it's impossible. Hmm. You can't force. You've got to love. And 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 that's what I mean is, it, you know, if, if you're not willing to have faith in your people and faith in yourself that lets mm-hmm. you rise above the ones that are hard to like sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes people don't make it easy for you to love them. Right. right? <laughs> you know? yeah. But if you're, if you're their leader, you have to yeah. find it in yourself somehow and find it in them somehow to love them into the position or the type of engagement that you want from them. And, and that's why I said it's, it's almost impossible because most of us don't have that heart. We don't have that big of a spirit of mm. grace and, and mercy, uh, right? You know, and we're like, hey, I'm here to get stuff done. Come on, get your, get your butt in gear and let's go, right? Yeah. And you're like, no, it's not a SEAL team, Walt, uh, right? You know, that's not what we're doing here, right? Right, yeah. So, so I, yeah, I, I, think, I think this is a big challenge. And, and for all of the folks in the audience, uh, you know, if, if you'd like to have more conversations, you know, feel free to reach out through Ben and he'll tell you how to get a hold of me. But I'm 
Yeah. It's not as hard as you think, but it, but it is hard. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think anything worthwhile is right. I mean, it's, you know, something that if you're going to become an effective leader and you're going to create change and lasting change, and whether that's a, a business, a corporation, a nonprofit, whatever it may be, is that to build anything great, it's, it is difficult, right? I mean, it, it and takes gonna, effort. I'm going to say this because, you know, even though you're, you're technically a, a, you know, a solopreneur almost, hmm. right. You know, if you don't have any employees, right. You're, you're the only guy in your shop, hmm. but you have these contractors, you're still on a team, right? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I believe value creation is a team sport. And, you know, in all of these years that I've been doing this kind of work, uh, even the military, it's, it's, it's always a team sport. Mm. Uh, you may be the only one that goes on the mission today, but you got to thank all of those people that prepped yeah. you, all those people that that made your gear, all those people that that yeah. you know trained you and did you did you know got you ready to go on that mission, uh, right? It's still a team sport, even though you're the only one going today. Yeah, right. You're the only one jumping out of the jet today. Uh, yeah. right. But bottom line, it's still a team sport, right? You didn't yep. fly the jet up there to jump out. There's a pilot up there, right? Uh, yep. So. So the more you start thinking about it, you go, oh yeah, everything's a team sport, and that means I got to work with people. Yeah, I need to figure this out. The other, the other yeah. big aha for me was, you might be really smart, Walt, uh, but you cannot be the only brain at work here. Mm. You cannot be the unimind for your whole team. You have got to get these other brains engaged in thinking and sorting out problems, so you don't have to solve them all yourself. And if you don't want to be that guy that's busy whack a moling all the problems, you've got to lead with the idea that these other people that I hired are actually pretty smart and capable. And I need to give them room to grow and, and use those skills and those brains of theirs to solve the problems that we collectively have to get solved in order to create this value together. That's really well said. I, I think, you know, holding people as able, holding them as capable and giving them opportunities to learn and grow and make mistakes and, you know, know, like, as you mentioned earlier, that it's safe to be able to do it. I think that's, you know, a hallmark of a great leader as well. And it, uh, yeah, it's really, it's really great, man. It's really great. I love the leadership conversation. Um, I know you mentioned it briefly, but let's even direct people to it. We'll put it in the show notes too, but where can people find you? Where could they connect with you? So uh, on Twitter, I'm, I'm Walt74, uh, at Walt74. Uh, on LinkedIn, I'm uh, Walter G. Carter, uh, and uh, you'll, you'll uh, find me there. Uh, you, know, you can get me uh, at my website, waltcarter.com. Uh, that's pretty simple. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, and if you're looking for a speaker or somebody to come in and talk about these kinds of things, uh, you know, I love to talk about my military time. I've got a great talk on uh, leadership lessons from the Cold War mm. uh, and nuclear silos. That's uh, gone great for a bunch of companies. Uh, you know, and I'm working on book number two. And so I'll be looking on Amazon for that one, along with We Can't Stay Here. Um, if you're somebody that's that's leading change or you've got somebody on your teams that you're trying to get into a position as a change leader, give them my book. Cause I wrote that book for me for 30 years ago for the, 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 the young right. man that was just starting out. I wish somebody had told me all this stuff. Uh, right. I didn't have to get all these scars for <laughs> figuring it out. The hard yeah. Way. yeah. Uh, right? you know, and, Cause a lot of this is really about that human dynamic. It's not about how you do projects or yeah. product management. It's about how you lead people and yeah. people 
are interesting, but they're very predictable in large numbers. And individually, they're squirrelier than squirrels. <laughs> let, let, let's close on this. I'm curious if you could give me a, uh, you know, a quick 30 second, 45 second, all the years of study, all the years of practice, all the years of teaching, the greatest leadership lesson you ever learned. Uh, was from a guy who is currently my father-in-law, has been my father-in-law for 34 years. He's also the best leader I ever worked for. And he said it real simply. Then he said, love them, then lead them. Wow. And, and this was a guy who was a wing commander in a nuclear missile business uh, that basically said, you've got to love them, then lead them. If you can't love them, you shouldn't be leading them. And, and, and he was responsible for the greatest turnaround that I've ever been part of. Uh, and this was long before I started dating his daughter, uh, right? I was a young lieutenant working in, in a missile wing. And man, he just did a, a knockout job of doing exactly what we've talked about. He walked around and he said, hey, what do you what do you need that you don't have that would make you great at what you're doing? Mm. What if I can't get all of that, but I can only get a couple of things, right? Mm. You know, what can you do with that, Ben? And and then, you know, a few days later, we're all at the base theater, the only building on base big enough to hold the wing. And, and he's up on stage without a single note card going, hey, Ben, stand up. Guys, a few weeks ago, I asked Ben, what did he need that he didn't have that would make him great at what he's doing? Here's what he did with the two things I was able to get him from headquarters, right? Ben, stand up. Everybody needs to see who you are. I'm very proud to tell everybody about what Ben Spangle's been doing for us. And, you know, and he would move from one. Wow star to another star to another star within a few weeks a couple of months that whole wing would have followed him into to hell with a teaspoon of water if he said we could douse the fires right uh and then within two years we won every award that you can win for operational performance excellence including the department of defense best base in the air force wow. i mean within Two years, we went from you guys shouldn't even be allowed to touch nuclear weapons to best base in all of the of the Department of Defense. And it was because he just was a humble leader that was asking and engaging people, just like we started out the conversation with. And, and if you just do those things, you'll get a lift. I guarantee you, you'll get a lift, right? If, if you do it as well as John did, you'll get a huge lift and you'll get the biggest turnaround and engagement level that you've probably ever seen in your life. What an amazing lesson. Thanks for sharing that story and love them and then lead them. So great, Walt. I appreciate your time. It's been great spending this together and everybody, I know you enjoyed today. And as always, make sure you share the episode, uh, connect with Walt, connect with myself. If you're new to the show, click subscribe, leave us a quick review. And again, Walt, I appreciate your time. It's been fun having this conversation and thanks again. Likewise, Ben. Thank you so much for having me on today. I really enjoy your content and I encourage everybody in your audience, go back and look at the other. Uh, the, ben has a, 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 a capability of getting some of the smartest people in the world, not me, but uh, you know all of his previous guests. You should listen because he's, he's a great interviewer. He does a great job uh, getting the most out of his guests. So uh, I encourage you to go back and look at all those old videos. Thanks, Walt. I appreciate it. 